Welcome into Division Two Sports. We are finally in April as opening day is on the horizon. We have a jam-packed Braves preview show for you today as the Braves will get things started uh, from Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Blake, I'll start with you. Baseball is back. How good do those three words feel to hear? It feels great, man. April 1st is also April Fools, and uh, just so everyone knows, the odds makers in Vegas are fooled today because the Braves are the underdogs against the Phillies, and uh, that's bad news for the Phillies, so I'm ready to roll. Those silly odds makers. I will say, though, you know, being an outsider, um, it, it feels like there's a different kind of buzz around Braves and Braves fans this year. I know they're expecting a lot, and I think they're going to get a lot. That's right, and we'll get, we'll get into that and much more. But first, we'll start with our interview. We got a uh, jam-packed show for you guys, Braves Baseball Preview. Uh, we'll start with our interview with Braves expert Chris Domino. This is Chris's second time on the show, and we are thrilled to have him on again. He provided us with all things Braves Baseball and more, and we couldn't say better things about Chris. But without further ado, here is Chris Domino. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. We now welcome on friend of the show and one half of the Domino and Cellini show on 680 The Fan. He is the founder of the Hardball podcast and reoccurring guest, Chris Domino. Chris, thank you for joining us today. No problem, guys. Look, uh, happy opening week to everybody, too. Yes, sir, of course. Well, I want to start by recognizing uh, some le- some legends who we lost over the last year. The Braves oh. had a tough few months losing legends, including Hank Aaron, Phil Negro, uh, Bartholomew, and Don Sutton. So can you talk yeah. about those men and their legacies on our ball club and the game of baseball? Yeah, look, I'll start with Hank Aaron, who became, a, you know, I call him a good baseball friend. He was so good to me over the years, uh, not only in terms of sit-downs when we did something officially, but just seeing him at the ballpark. It was its kind of incredible. I'll just give you guys a quick one. 1974, the night he uh, breaks the home run record, I'm in Staten Island, New York, and I had a little black-and-white TV. This is a true story, so like you guys can Google all this stuff to prove that I'm telling you the truth. There were these things called the Kodak 110 cameras, and you actually had to bring film in to get developed. But they had these little flash cubes on it. So I was such a big baseball fan, and I'm 11 years old. I took a picture of the TV in my room when he hit the home run on a Monday night. But all you see in the reflection is me taking a picture of the TV because of the flash. Well, flash forward to many, many, many years later, and I showed Hank that picture. And a picture that I took of the New York Daily News that the headline was 715. And it was funny. He just thought it was really interesting that people outside of the city Atlanta not only cared about it, but there were 11-year-olds who cared about it. So it was kind of nice to get to know him over the years the way that I did and his family a little bit as well. Uh, Don Sutton, obviously, being in town was always interesting because while he was known as a Dodger, he certainly did enough time with the Braves to receive the honors and the accolades that he did as part of Atlanta. Bill Bartholomew is one of the most important people in Atlanta sports history. And Phil Necro was, I'll just say this, he was maybe as good a guy at the bar as anybody I've been around. To have drinks, not one, but multiples with Phil Necro was was really as good as it gets. Storyteller, he appreciated who his family was. He came from a town in Ohio that, you know, quite honestly, if the baseball thing didn't work out for him and his brother Joe, it might have been go to work in the mines and 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 while he understood what that hard work was, he didn't want to do that. His family didn't want him 
to have to do it. So they did the things as much as you could back when he was growing up to make sure and ensure that he had a chance to play baseball. So, yeah, uh, 10 Hall of Famers in about a 12-month period, and certainly the city of Atlanta took a really, really big hit with, with the loss of those men. Yeah, those are some incredible stories you were able to share. Uh, so, Chris, moving to 2020, the Braves had one of their best seasons in the team's history. Though they could not finish the deal in the NLCS, they lost hold of a 3-1 lead. What are the biggest takeaways from that experience for this ball club, especially since so many of their key contributors are back? Yeah, look, the good news is it wasn't flukish. They had built over a few years, including a couple of bad years, to get to that point where they were every bit as good as the Dodgers. You know, they gave the series away. You know, I've had a chance to speak to a bunch of guys about that 3-1 lead, 3-2, 3-3, uh-oh, it's over. And they go home and the Dodgers go on and win the World Series. And I'm not saying the Braves would have beat Tampa, but they were every bit as good as the Dodgers, which certainly leads me to believe, and rightfully so, they could have beaten Tampa and won the World Series. So do you learn one more you know, brick in the wall of not good, not good, division, get beat, division, get beat, oh wait, now we're good enough to win a series, which... They hadn't done in a long time in this town and and play nose to nose with the eventual best team in baseball. So they did all those things. There's no excuses this year for them not to take one more step. They know they can. They know they're good enough. Uh, There might not have been anything flashy when you sign your own guys back, but this is a good baseball team. And, And I think if nothing else, what they learned last year is winning is good. Losing stinks more than winning feels good. And I and I hope the offseason in the spring and going into the long version of baseball at 162 is going to lead them to not only know they can play with anybody in the National League, but it's time to do something about the idea of going to the World Series as the only goal this year. Mm-hmm. And staying on the topic of playing with anyone in the National League, uh, the Dodgers were able to add NL Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer <laughs> to a massive deal. Um, how do you see that working out for the Dodgers? Do you see them kind of repeating or... I hope he's such a jerk that the team implodes all around him. Uh, look, the incredible thing about the Dodgers, and I will give them credit as, as difficult as it is, when you win the World Series, a lot of times there might be a fat cat syndrome where you don't do something to make yourself possibly even better. Their rotation is, is you know, David Price could be working out of the bullpen. That'll tell you how good the arms are. Dustin May might be the filthiest guy in all of baseball, and he's, wink, wink, your fifth starter. So... You know, the Dodgers aren't planning on taking a backseat to anybody. As a matter of fact, the Dodgers are talking about winning 110 games. And while most years that would sound ridiculous and it would just sound like bravado, they're probably capable of doing that. So now what you have to do is, I don't really care about the regular season and the 162. You just have to prove, and, and I'm, there's a guy that we'll mention now, but I think we'll talk about a little bit more. I think Charlie Morton, while they got Trevor Bauer, at $82 million guaranteed, $100-plus million for three years if it goes that far. That's a good piece for them. I think Charlie Morton's a more important piece for the Atlanta Braves than Bauer is for the Dodgers because I think Charlie Morton, the guy, Charlie Morton, the pitcher, Charlie Morton, the guy in September and October, uh, I think the biggest, least talked-about deal in the entirety of the National League is Charlie Morton doing a one-year deal here in Atlanta because, God willing, it lengthens out your playoff rotation. And Charlie Morton is one, and I don't think there's a lot of let's sit around old Uncle Charlie's feet and let's let him tell us stories about winning a World Series because Charlie's not that way, and I think these players, these pitchers are not that way, but there was going to be something tangible about this guy being with this team all year. Chris, last time we spoke to you, you told us a story about Freddie Freeman uh, when he was, you know, uh, given his first deal, 
and he, uh, yeah. y'all interviewed him, and you got the chance to talk to him about how he was just the guy on the team, and he was pissed off when you talked to him a few years later. He said that he was pissed off he didn't have any meaningful at-bats. Yeah. He yeah. had some meaningful at-bats last year. He had the best uh, best season of his career last season and was the heart and soul of the Braves' run. I know you and Freddie are very close, and you spoke with him right after he won the MVP. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you? Because you've covered him his whole career. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I thought about this. The first time I really, really had a chance to sit down with Freddie, it was before, obviously, he was married to his now wife, Chelsea. Uh, they were in New Orleans, and Chipper Jones was treating them to a trip to the Super Bowl. And, God, they were young. I mean, I know I'm old, but, boy, they were young. And it was really interesting to think back about that. Chipper knew that he was talented. While I think a lot of people looked at Jason Hayward, he was drafted in the first round. Freddie was the second. Local guy. Uh, hits a home run in his first major league game and his first major league bat. And I think the story was supposed to be Jason Hayward, but – no knock on Jason. Chipper told me that this guy is going to be the better all-around player, the, the, the more productive player, I think, is what he put it, because he said he has no holes. His swing has been the same for years and years and years, and he knew how good Freddie was going to be. It was convincing Freddie he had an opportunity to be that good, and that really was the maturation over the last couple of years. And I like the fact that he was hacked off, that nothing good had happened for this team. Now, look, I'm a little bit surprised there's not a long-term deal done. I'm a little bit surprised it looks like we're going to go into the season on Thursday and then this first week of April, and Freddie's not going to have an extension. Uh, Chipper never played in a free agency year, and I thought that was going to happen now. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, The good news is I think Freddie doesn't really – overly care about it i think he's just ready to go play baseball and i think the world series is the most important thing but to watch his maturation to know now that he's 10 years into his career uh, and i watched a guy who quite honestly look he was always big but he was sort of baby Huey big and now he's man strong he can drive the ball to the opposite field he's not looking to hit home runs they'll go out because he's strong enough to do it but his approach is hit the ball over the shortstop every day in BP, and then that will garner me more good, meaningful at-bats, and that's absolutely the way it played out. And it will be interesting the first weekend that they come to play at Truist Park where he'll get his MVP award in front of 13,000-plus instead of 40,000-plus, but I know he and his family are going to revel in the idea that he sort of has done what a lot of people in this game haven't done. It's to be respected by your peers, the writers, to the point where they actually believe you're as good as anybody in baseball. So, Chris, let's move over to the pitching side. So, Mike Mike Soroka just made his spring debut after tearing his Achilles last season. Um, so, I want to get your insight on, do you see Soroka picking up right where he left off? Well, I hope so. Look, he had, he had talked about Remember, he hurt himself a little bit, you know, scapula, back, shoulder, uh, because he was lifting. And you go, okay. He, he didn't hurt himself because he lazied his way into an injury. He didn't sit around and eat cake and all of a sudden pull something. He's a worker, but he also said he's not a meathead. He was really, really methodical and smart about this. And his long toss and his throwing and his ability to make sure his arm is in a position to have what happened this week happen, where he was able to pitch in the spring training game before anybody thought he could or would. I think getting off the mound, I think the stupidity of the DH, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in some second, rears its ugly head on this team more than maybe any team in the National League with the Ozuna thing, the Soroka thing, and what you don't want to have happen to pitchers in the entirety of the National League. But Mike Soroka had a plan, and give him credit. Uh, He knows who he is, good sign for a young guy, knows what he wants to be, really good sign for a young guy, and he went out and he did the work. 
you know, I I kind of like w- with him and Max Reed, the two that I know a little bit better and have watched them do their work, they don't believe they're owed anything. And when you don't believe you're owed anything, it means you're going to go work for it. I think Mike's work with this offseason, you know, it's a freak injury. It's a freak play. But I think that he knew what he needed to do to have this possibility exist where before May 1st, he's going to be starting a game for the Atlanta Braves. Chris, I'll fast forward back to uh, last year's playoff run. So during that run, we witnessed Bryce Wilson and A.J. Minter become key contributors uh, on the roster. So what do you expect from those two uh, this year? Yeah, I think a lot of people were trying to figure out, well, why didn't Bryce Wilson make it? He had a good spring, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're going to go with four starters, four guys on the bench, 10-man bullpen. So it was just a numbers game. He'll be up sooner instead of later. Certainly, when Soroka comes back, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But Bryce Wilson, fine. Uh, Again, good mentality for this young staff. Uh, Young, Freed is 27. You know, people kind of forget, Max Freed was traded from San Diego. Like, he wasn't original originally a draft pick of the Braves. But in 2017, his first, go look at his numbers his first year in double-A. I don't know if you can pull them up. He might have been 2-11 and 11 with like a 5.5 ERA. Like, that's double-A in 2017. Fast forward to 2020, he's 24-7 and seven over a two-game stretch. He was just ranked. This is a true story. I, I, again, I don't care who it was. But of the starting pitchers, and this Thursday is going to be different unless there's weather, this will be the first time that every team in baseball plays on the same opening day since 1968. They've tried it for the last few years, but there's been weather, rainouts. But if it happens, all 30 teams will play. Max Fried was considered ranked the 18th best starter on opening day Thursday, April 1st. I find it ridiculous. Like, I know he doesn't have a long baseball card, but 24-7 and 7 is 24-7. and 7. But it was really only four years ago that this guy was struggling in double-A. So I think there's two lessons. You don't know what a guy is going to be, and you don't know who a guy is going to be. And I think Max Free has figured it out. So um, I, I I like Wilson. I like what Minter did. Find a strike zone, don't nibble. I think Sean Newcomb can take a, a lesson from these guys to just you're, look at you. Look at how you fill out a uniform. You want to nibble and walk guys. I think A.J. Minter figured out that walking guys is not a good recipe for for not only sticking around but being called upon in big moments i think the wilson anderson right thing once you start throwing strikes you realize that guys get themselves out a good amount of the time and you can actually pitch to contact and not be afraid of it you know i know it's a home run game i know it's a walk strikeout three three outcome game but i do think pitching two contacts sometimes can give you a shorter inning which will give you an opportunity to hang around longer in games Right, and Coach Granitz has done a great job in the development of some of these guys, of course, Chris. But I want to shift back to, uh, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, but the MLB went away with doing the Universal DH for 2021. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll sum it up like this. In the long history of the book written on the stupidity of the DH, 2021 is the greatest, biggest, filthiest chapter in the stupidity of the DH in Major League Baseball. The idea that this is not here, it was a bargaining chip, you know, MLBA, uh, MLBPA, the Players Association, not being able to get this done with the owners. Look, the owners don't want pitchers hitting. They don't. Players don't want pitchers hitting. They don't. But they weren't able to figure it out to ensure that it wasn't going to happen. And I think here in Atlanta with the Marcelo Zuna, not only the deal itself, but just what you'd like to do with him and Mike Soroka coming off an injury. And there's not... There's not a team in Major League Baseball that wants to see a pitcher take a swing, 
They certainly don't want to see him standing on first or second base. Uh, and the idea that they couldn't get this done because it was looked at as a bargaining chip instead of what it really is, uh, dumb, if we don't have universal DH this year. It's it's kind of the lowest moment in a really sort of decades-long low moments of the DH in baseball. Chris, last time we talked, uh, you mentioned how it was smarter for Anthopolis to make a move to go get a guy like Marcelo Zuna and bolster up the bullpen, which he did, in back-to-back off-seasons. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to know, do you think that the Braves made the right call by paying Ozuna what they did to bring him back? Yeah, he's relatively a bargain, and we weren't really sure with free agency this year coming off last year how much money was lost. There's still guys in free agency who have not signed. I mean, there are big-name guys who haven't signed, including Shane Green, by the way. Uh, I thought Ozuna was a relative value. Um, You know, the fourth year is going to be interesting. I talked to Alex Anthopoulos. He said all along they were certainly willing to go four years. The defensive replacement thing, it's why Ender Enciarte is on the roster if you do want it in a 4-3, 3-2 game after Ozuna gets his last at-bat. So you can play around with that if you choose to. But, yeah, I think money ball is really interesting. The concept can really be broken down. You don't need to read a whole book. It's just how many guys do you have on your roster that play above their pay grade? Marcelo Zuna, while I don't think it's going to be as good as last year where you're an MVP candidate, triple crown candidate, I do think that relative value, uh, Marcelo Zuna is fine. And I, I kind of believe this. Anytime you sign a guy for more than three years, you sort of live with the idea that the last year on a deal, whether it's four, five, six, seven, eight, you might be eating cash because you might not be getting their best athletically, but you're paying for the first three years in his case. You're paying for the first five years in some guy's case and uh, I, I do think his worth to this team, watching Freddie Freeman while he was hitting second will hit third this year, having Marcelo Zuna protect him was a really, really smart move for the Atlanta Braves to get him back. Acuna dealt with some injuries, but he certainly showed flashes of you know being that perennial MVP type player. How do you think um, he'll carry that reputation into this season? Well, I, I think he wants 40-40. You know, look, the 50-50 thing has been thrown around, and I I don't even dare to dream to that. But but I think he wants 40-40. I think he wants to put himself in rare company, and uh, I'm okay with that. You know, I don't want him just running to run. I don't want his fingers and arms way around second or third base. I don't think that's great for anybody. But I do think there's something about this guy that says, if they're going to talk about me this way, if you're going to compete with the youngest shadow of Mike Trout, if you're going to compete more closely with Juan Soto – Fernando Tatis Jr. and anybody else that might play in Toronto, like a, a Guerrero, uh, I think not only is he up for the challenge, but I think he revels in it. So I, I think he's, I hope, has a look. Here's the thing I'm worried about Lindor's going to sign a deal for over $300 million. Tatis signed a deal for over $300 million. Uh, this guy didn't sign that deal. And I'm, I'm always a little bit nervous when a guy might have the opportunity to get pouty or sulky when he thinks he's not getting his. Uh, everything that I've been told about him now. It's not that. It's to prove he is as good as anybody in baseball. So that's a good thing. Somewhere down the road, uh, is he going to get a little bit pissed off, hacked off about what other guys are making? Yeah, there's a good chance he might. But if he but if he puts the energy and puts it in the right direction where what he cares about more is that people talk about him as being underpaid, being as good as anybody in baseball, that could actually work to the Atlanta Braves' favor. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a better right fielder, by the way. He he really is supposed to be in right field. He's a better right fielder than a center fielder. So if it's Pache, if it's for the long haul, it's Pache. I think Ronald Acuna playing in right field is actually going to be a benefit for this team as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about the third base situation, this offseason we saw Nolan Arenado <laughs> traded, and we saw a lot of rumors surrounding the Cubs' Chris Bryant. The Braves <laughs> elected to stay put with Austin Riley at third base. What are your expectations for Riley this season? Uh, great question. I don't know if it's numbers. Here's what I expect out of him and Pache. I want them to be good enough, not so good, good enough, that I don't have to consider taking them out of the lineup at any point. Remember, two years ago, Austin Riley wasn't even basically going to play in September, and he wasn't really going to play in October. I'd like to avoid that. I don't need him to be all-world. I don't need him to be attached numbers to him and just say, if he doesn't do this, it's it's not good enough. I just want him and Pache, quite honestly, to be good enough where – it's not a consideration to take him out. Now, everything to me, and I've sort of joked about it, but I don't think it's funny. Like I really believe this. Everything in life is a math problem. It's a math equation. So Nolan Arenado, let's just say it was $34 million. Let's say it was bought down to 26. Is Nolan Arenado 37 times better than Austin Riley? And you, know, you can make a case he's not because nobody's 37 times better than Austin Riley. It's just as great as Arenado is, and he's built on a Hall of Fame career, is he worth paying 37 times as much as Austin Riley? I, I think the answer is no. Plus, you would have had to give up players. So I'm okay with this decision. I just need him to be a guy that, whether he's hitting sixth, whether he's hitting seventh, if he proves he can actually hit fifth in this lineup when Darno's not playing, great. I just want him to be good enough where there's never once a consideration I'm not supposed to start him at third base on any given night. If he does that, if Pache does that, then I get enough out of those guys. Chris, the bullpen will be missing some familiar faces this year. Uh -huh. and Mark Melanson, Darren O'Dan, Shane Green, who is still on the market. Um, yeah. But who do you see rising to the occasion out of the Braves' bullpen? And the second part of that question is who do you see as the closer? Yeah, so let's start with the guy who's not going to be there because he's on a 60-day DL, IL. Tukasan had a really good spring, and I think Sean Newcomb better, you know, kiss the ground when he when he lands in Philadelphia being on his opening day roster because I think it's Tucson's injury that gives him an opportunity. I think Yanoa is going to be a really interesting guy out of the bullpen because I think you're going to need a long guy or two, and Newcomb, if he can hold on to that job, that'll be fine. I don't really expect more. I'd like it to be a little bit more, but I don't expect more. And Noah and Newcomb are going to be important. Uh, I think Minter is going to be really important. I think certainly Will Smith, if you're talking about being the closer, how many days a week can he get up and hump it? Uh, is it two? Is it three? I, I'm a believer that 9-2 wins or 9-2 losses are not a bad thing. And I'm also on record as saying there's never been a year where there's been a more important position in totality than the bullpen pitchers innings last year starters down they're not going to screw around with these guys if it's 45 degrees in philadelphia and the braves have a five run fourth inning and it's too long with max freed sitting they're going to pull him sooner instead of later because of the ian anderson i think threw 42 innings last year how do you ramp these guys up to even think about throwing 150 well i'm not sure you can bullpen will be more important than any year in the history of baseball it's going to be a churn and burn. How often can a guy get up? How often can you keep him healthy enough to play in August and September and God willing, October? Uh, I, I think Minter is going to be huge. You know, I, I know everybody crafts on Luke Jackson. It's just sort of heart attack city when he comes in games. But I, but I think the Will Smith, the idea of him closing the right amount of games is going to be really interesting. Minter pitching the right amount of outings is going to be interesting. And then how often do you use little guys? And I think Yanoa, Newcomb, 
anybody else that might be in that role of Tomlin of, of eating innings, especially early in the year to try to save something down the road, uh, bullpen, how it works, not only statistically, but how it works aesthetically, how often a guy's pitching and how, how many do you need over the course of the year is going to be really, really important, not only for this team, but everybody in baseball. Chris, the bullpen was a str- was a strength at the Braves last year, as was the bench. So let's shift gears to the bench and talk a little bit about that. Uh, the bench is lacking some veteran presence. They don't have Charlie Culberson. They lost Adam Duvall as well as Nick Markakis. So with those guys' departures, are the reserves suspect to, he- to you? And what was the thought process behind the team designating Johan Camargo and carrying a bench that has a total of two home runs in 2020? So I'll get to Camargo in a second because I have a really, <clears throat> really strong opinion on him. Uh, it's not a pop bench. It's not a power bench. Pablo Sandoval doesn't hit home runs. It's kind of interesting. He does have 149, I think, in his career, but it's over a long period of time. Hasn't hit 20 since 2011. So there's no pop. Um, A-Ray was interesting. This is a guy who's been around, guys, since 2009. Uh, Adrian's has been around since 2009, but he's played a total of 185 games. Alex Jackson doesn't have a home run. So there's really not an Eric Thames, who I thought might be an interesting character for them, uh, a guy who can hit home runs off the bench. But you're hoping, like fingers crossed, everything crossed, that you're not going to be doing a lot of pinch hitting. If there's that Sunday day game after a night game, are you going to use the, what do they used to call them, the B-bombers? There's no bomb in this group. This is just two guys who hit their way onto the roster in Pablo Sandoval who hit over 400 and Adrianzo who hit over 400. It was very old school. Uh, in regards to Johan Camargo, I'm done. I, I, if he has to come back up because something, that's fine. Been there, done it. I've seen it. I didn't need him. If he would have hit this spring, he could have had a job. He didn't. The other two guys did. That's the way it works. It was very old school in that department. Hit travel north and that's what happened with Sandoval and that's what happened with uh, Adrianza and I think that's fine I, you're just hoping to not pinch hit a ton how you use pinch hitters will be interesting if Sandoval gets on base it's not like he's going to be there long Ender and Ciarte's around for two reasons you're paying him but you also think in that 4-3 game Ozuna could come out you can do something with your outfield to sort of create a better defensive outfield so no it's not it, it, it's, it's not quake in your boots there's no bullpen that's afraid of really anybody the Braves might send up but I understand why they're using this group they don't have a home run hitter coming off the bench but they're also not looking to pinch hit really for any of their seven regulars other than catcher Chris the Braves recently extended manager Brian Snicker can you tell us what he means to the organization (laughs) and what it's been like seeing him climb up in the ranks in the organization because I know if I remember correctly he's been with the organization as long as you've been covering sports in Atlanta is that correct uh Brian Snicker has about 13 or 14 more years on me (laughs) he's been with the Braves for over 40 uh he was the guy that when he was basically told I don't think you're going to make it as a catcher even at the minor league level. We like what you do. And he, as Hank Aaron said, and thank God, I'm really, really glad Hank said this for the world to hear. He said Ryan Snicker was one of his favorite guys all time in the history of the Braves organization because when they told him, we think you can do something in baseball, first one to the ballpark, last one to leave when he was working as a coach. I knew Brian Snicker when he had that mustache. That's sort of whatever it was mustache of his. So it's been a long time. I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy for his family. He's earned it. Uh, he's a manager's 
he's a player's coach, but more than that, I think he's a manager who understood that analytics were here to stay, embrace it enough. But there are times that I've talked to him that I still like the idea that, you know, eyeballs and heartbeat still matters. I'm not saying that it's not dictated in the game. Go see Blake Snell and, and Cash last year in the World Series that some decisions are made, maybe by the by the computer, not the manager. But I think Brian Snicker and I think Alex Anthopoulos trust the idea that he's seen enough to know that eyeballs and heartbeat is is still something in this game. And that's what I respect about him. I he he took the time and literally, like literally, guys, I'm not kidding about this. He sat down. His son was a hitting coach with Houston is a hitting coach with Houston Astros. They do a lot of analytics. He sat down with his son to understand a little bit more of the spreadsheet, the paperwork part of it. But there's still part of him that knows that you better be able to tell when a guy is ready to give you something or when he's done. And and not only do I like Brian Snicker, I respect Brian Snicker, but I like the idea that sometimes good guys do finish first. And a World Series ring would be the most incredible thing, not just for the players on this team, not just for the city. But I don't think I'd be happier for anybody than Brian Snicker if that actually happened. Agreed. It will be. It's it's awesome. You don't see that too often in professional sports where no. a guy can make his way up to the top. Like oh, that. God. No doubt. Um, so, Chris, talking about some other teams around baseball that the Braves could run into, the San Diego Padres have been making some headlines this offseason, <laughs> adding uh, Blake Snell and you Darvish. Are you buying the hype around this team? Yeah. Listen, they're going to be fun. They're going to be fun. Will Myers had a good year last year. Really, really talented guy. I was in Kansas City at the All-Star game many years ago. It was Chipper's last All-Star game when Will Myers played in the Futures game. He was in Tampa uh, and a lot of people, Kansas City, and a lot of people said, okay, what is he going to be? He had one of those types of years last year where he sort of kind of lived up to the contract a little bit. Uh, yeah, they're, they're legit. And the Blake Snell part is big. The U Darvish part is big. The idea that they want to go nose to nose with the Dodgers and they're not going to back down. I think the bat flipping, and I'm old school in a lot of ways, but I also think the game better be invigorated with fun. I think the Padre Dodgers is quite honestly the best real rivalry in baseball. Uh, it's not the it's not the Red Sox, it's not the Yankees anymore, it's not the Cubs and Cardinals, it's the Padres and the Dodgers, and everybody else is playing for second. I'd like it here to be Braves, Mets, Braves, Phillies again because I I kind of really enjoyed when it was those things. Uh, the Braves have had a couple of teams that you could look at in the division and say, boy, we didn't like them for a few years, and we didn't like them for a few years. But I think the Padres and the Dodgers are absolutely at the forefront. The problem is playing games at ten o'clock at night, uh, East Coast could be a little bit of they're not on TV enough, but I think there's going to be enough hype around the Padres, and rightfully so, as a fun baseball team, good baseball team, that um, nobody's going to be short-sold on following the Padres this year, even from 3,000 miles away. Absolutely, absolutely. Chris, I'm kind of a lone man out on this show. I'm the New York sports fan, so I'd love to ask you here about the Yankees and then Mets. Yeah. The Yankees are opening uh, favorites to win the AL pennant. Um, if this team stays healthy, which, as we've seen in the last couple of years, is a big if, do you think they're capable yeah. of winning the World Series? Uh, I don't know if they have enough starting arms. Look, Garrett Cole's the real deal. Uh, I think that guy really, really loves the spotlight, and I think he loves being in pinstripes where some guys have bowed out from it. But unless Judge is healthy, Stanton's healthy, LeMayu actually can do the things he's done for years, and it was probably a very smart move bringing him back. I think there's reasons to believe that the Yankees, again, fun to watch. Um, fun to root for if you want them to fail. I don't know why they're necessarily a favorite because I'm not sure they're tested. Minnesota doesn't get enough respect. Tampa doesn't get enough respect. I think Oakland has done things, relatively speaking, a payroll that's been more impressive than the Yankees. 
the Yankees have bigger names. They have the pinstripes. They have the 27 world titles. They have the building. They have blah, 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 blah. But they're going on, what, 11-plus years since they won a World Series? And it seems to be, yeah, it seems to be a lot of hype as opposed to a lot of, wow, I know why I picked them. Uh, Here's what's crazy. I'm actually going to say this, that until the Yankees prove they're capable of winning a World Series, I don't believe that they're going to win a World Series. And capable of winning a World Series means that, as you said, they stay healthy, uh, they're hungry, they don't coast through 15-game stretches just because they're the New York Yankees. And uh, I don't think you can just turn it on and off like that because of what's on sort of the front of the jersey. I think the Yankees have a lot to prove right now, and I'm not so sure they're really going to be ready to do it this year. I would not bet them with my money as the odds-on favorites win the American League pennant. I just, I'll take the field over the Yankees still. Well, Chris, let's talk about that other team in uh, New York, the New York Mets. So the Mets are receiving a ton of hype this offseason. They're the even favorites over the Braves to win the NL East as of right now. Yeah. Uh, had a very active offseason, including the additions of Lindor and Carrasco. So do you see the Mets as a serious threat this year? Yes. Uh, I think Stroman is one of those guys. He's polarizing because he certainly talks a lot, but he's you know he's cocky, but I think he believes everything that he believes. I think if Syndergaard comes back, and, and I did say this for a few years when the Mets were picked to be a, a winner of the East, I said, no, their, their rotation, their five won't stay healthy enough. I think this might be the year that they finally do if and when Syndergaard comes back and he's able to throw the rest of the year whenever that is. I, I think Stroman is sort of their key, and I think Alfonso coming back, or uh, Pete Alonso coming back, excuse me, and having the year with Lindor and Conforto, that's a good bunch. They suffer a little bit from not having the DH as well because I think they would have thrived uh, in finding a guy who just would have been a prototypical DH. So I'm kind of glad that if we're going to get burned by it with Ozuna, they're going to get burned by it as well because one of their bats is going to be sitting on the bench. I do buy the Mets. Uh, I buy them a little bit more than the Phillies. I like Joe Girardi. Uh, I like the fact that they got Didi Gregorius and JT Rio back. And I certainly, I'm a bigger fan of Harper than a lot of people in this town. I like Zach Wheeler a lot. I certainly know Aaron Nola is bonafide number one. But I kind of like the Mets' makeup of their 26 a little bit better than Philadelphia. So, yeah, do I think they contend? Absolutely. And while it's easy to say, well, don't worry, they'll just pull a Mets. They'll do something very Mets-like at some point. I'm not so sure that that's going to happen this year. Final question for you here, Chris, is uh, Truist Park this summer is going to slowly evolve into getting back to full capacity. So how big will it be for this ball club to be playing back in front of Braves fans this season? So let me just give a public service announcement. If you're one of the first 13,500 to get the building in the first homestand, mind your P's and Q's. Do what people ask. If we're going to get to 20,000 quickly, it's going to be because the first 13,500 behave themselves. If they ask you to wear a mask, if they ask you to do this, just do it. It's the quickest way to 20,000, quickest way to 30,000, and quickest way to get to capacity is we have no problems in the first couple of months of the year. Uh, I, I do Look, what's interesting is this has never been really, and I know the chop and everything exists where it has been at times a national story. The crowd has been uh, the worst of first and, and sort of that whole era of the early 90s. I don't know if it's ever going to be that again. But I do believe that this fan base has seen enough to know that this team is for real. And the social high fives and the you know high five ranger, uh, go to the ballpark, go to the battery and have a good time, whether it's a drink before or a drink after, that's a real thing. So I don't know if it 
necessarily wins you more games, but I know the players are looking forward to it because I've talked to them about it. But I think what really has happened is that this team is not a hope, wish, coming out of spring training, maybe it's going to be us. I think the fan base in Atlanta knows that they're a really, really good baseball team. They're going to walk into the building knowing that. And I think at the end of the day, that probably can create a little bit of energy that certainly wasn't there last year and really, quite honestly, wasn't here the first couple of years they won a division. It's an expectation, and that means there's pressure. But I do think this group of players and coaching staff is going to appreciate that the fan base knows that they're going to come in every night expecting something good. So let's give them something good. Well, hopefully this is the team to bring a World Series back yeah. home uh, where it belongs here in Atlanta. We'd like to invite all of our listeners to follow Chris Domino for the best Braves and Braves insight the city has to offer on Twitter, at Chris Domino. Uh, Chris, we want to thank you for yet another great interview. Your Braves insight is the best out there, and we look forward to being in touch during the year. Thanks. Let me just also do this. The Braves Radio Network has a podcast. Kevin McAlpin and I are going to be doing something every day that will be uploaded by 9 o'clock. So it's sort of a Braves pregame preview at 9 o'clock in the morning instead of having to wait to 5 or 6. It'll be 12, 14 minutes, but it'll be pitching matchups and all the other things that comes with the State and Braves history. We'll do some giveaways. But we decided this year to make something available earlier in the day. So if you're 10 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and you just want to find out, okay, what, what should I be looking for tonight? Every day, Kevin and I will be doing that. So we're really looking forward to that as well. All right. Well, we'll be sure to tune into that. Chris, we thank you for your time, and uh, go Braves. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Listen, seriously, uh, best wishes to everybody you have as listeners, best wishes to your families, and uh, hopefully we catch up again in, in the not-too-distant future. Great stuff there from Mr. Chris Domino. We always enjoy his great insight, but let's get into our part of the show. So we're going to be breaking down uh, this 2021 season as the Braves will kick off today at 3.05, like I said, at Citizens Bank Park. Um, but let's get started with the Braves lineup. So this year, as we know from last year, the lineup is absolutely unbelievable. Without a doubt, on paper, I believe this is the best lineup in baseball. Uh, Blake, why do you agree? Well, from top to bottom, you have, I think, the most consistent bats in all of baseball. That starts at number one in the order with Ronald Acuna Jr., who has came into the league and has not slowed down whatsoever. Next in line, you did have Freddie Freeman batting second a little bit last year during that epic playoff run, but he's going to move back to the three spot. You're going to have a little bit of a competition between Dansby Swanson and uh, Ozzy Albies right there. And then, of course, you got Marcelo Zuna coming back, and I think that's what makes them who they are. Marcelo Zuna is the guy for this team when it comes to really giving them that edge, that attitude edge that they need. And, you know, him coming back, I think, is really going to help these other guys. And you're going to see Travis Darnot again at the five spot. And then it's really all going to depend on Austin Riley and uh, Christian Pache. Are those guys' bats going to be consistent enough to hang with the Dodgers, to hang with the Padres? So we're going to find out really quickly. Yeah, uh, let's get into Pache and Riley a little bit. So last year, Riley was kind of disappointing outside of that home run he had. Big-time strikeout machine. I mean, if this guy's not hitting the ball out of the park, it, it's no good. So he's going to be starting at third base this year, and Pache is going to be moving in the outfield as Marquecas departed this offseason. But we asked, we talked to Domino a little bit about this, and he feels relatively confident 
in each of these guys. Um, but Pache's first full season, why do we think that he's going to be such a pivotal, have such a pivotal role in this matchup or in this in this lineup? Excuse me. Well, I mean, I'll start here. I think that Pache, you know, he has the ability to become one of the most elite defensive outfielders in baseball. He has an absolute cannon on his arm. The guy is very, very, very fast, and he's a potential – I think he's a potential 20-20 and 20 guy this year. I, I read some 30-30 uh, – some 30-30 takes. That, that would be unbelievable if he did that. And, you know, in his first year, I'm not going to give him those expectations, but I think if Christian Pache goes 20-20 and 20 this season, then I think the Braves are going to be making that same run they made last year. And then going back to Austin Riley, I absolutely loved what Chris Domino said. He kind of asked Riley just to be good enough to where they don't have to consider taking him out of the lineup. And yeah. I think that's spot on in what Braves fans' expectations should be of Austin Riley this season. Yeah, I agree with you. I love the uh, the Nolan Arenado analogy of is he really 37 times better sure. than Austin Riley? And the answer is no. And, you know, Anthopolis hasn't really sold out, you know, like our like our other team, the Falcons, is... is Did y'all get this notification? Is doing what? The Raiders are trading their 17th overall pick and former fourth overall pick, Cleveland Farrell, to the Falcons for Matt Ryan. John Gruden finally gets a former MVP to work with. What is this? Are we a news-breaking podcast now? I hate to be like part PMT, but hang on. Are you seeing this? Matt Ryan, 17th overall. Cleveland Farrell. John Gruden finally gets a former MVP to work with. Who tweeted it? Rap sheet. Oh, that's fake news, brother. That's fake news. We got the April Fools going on over here now. It was close. I uh, I will say that uh, if you think that uh, Cleveland Farrell will be a member of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, you may, may need to uh, stay off the weed, as Stephen A. Smith would say. So back to baseball because we're not talking about football right now because it's not football season. So, back to baseball. We're going to talk a little bit more about Austin Riley a little bit because I think that Austin Riley really at this point in time has developed the swing that he needs to have in order to be the power hitter he wants to be. But he needs to figure out the trajectory of that swing. He needs to figure out exactly why he's swinging at every breaking ball that comes to him. It doesn't really make sense, but if he can kind of just be a little bit more patient at the plate, Austin Riley's going to be an awesome third baseman in this league. And like Ford said, Chris Domino said, is he 37 times, or is Nolan Arenado 37 times better than Austin Riley when it comes to money and when it comes to play? And in my opinion, not a chance in hell is that the case. So you roll with Austin Riley, you let the young guy play, and you hope that Chipper Jones being there as a part-time hitting consultant helps him out. And Riley's got to be like the prime candidate to make up for, you know, Duvall's 16 home runs they got last season. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the bench here in a minute, but, I mean, there's combined two home runs on the bench. It's crazy. But I'm sure Braves fans are excited to see these two guys grow as they've been in the farm system for a little while, um, but now finally earning their spot in the lineup. We'll see if they can, uh, you know, have productivity in that lineup. Uh, but let's move over to the bullpen. We'll start with the starting rotation. So the Braves starting rotation this year got better, believe it or not, from last year. So we added Charlie Morton from the Rays and we get back Mike Soroka. So today, as we're recording, the Braves are going to start Max Freed and then we will go with the starting rotation of Freed, who started more Anderson. 
Yep, Freed, and then you're going to have Ian Anderson, and then I believe Charlie Morton. And then after that, uh, you're going to have uh, Soroka. Soroka. So Soroka uh, did, had his first spring performance. Looked all, all good. Um, but with this starting rotation, why won't the Braves win the NL East? There's no chance they don't win the NL East. I know you guys are going to absolutely sit here and tell me I'm a homer, but there really is no chance in hell that the Braves do not win the NL East with the pitching rotation they have as long as Mike Soroka can come back and play. And with it not being a throwing injury, that's really important. Like, I, t I, I mean, we talked to Chris Domino about Soroka's recovery and how he's going to be able to come back and will he be able to go back to exactly the same form where he was. And honestly, I think he will. I think that Mike Soroka is the key to that rotation. If Soroka can come back and he can play like he was, there's no stopping this rotation. And he also gave a lot of love to Charlie Morton and said, if I remember correctly, he said that Charlie Morton was the best free agent signing this offseason that no one was talking about. And I, I tend to agree with him. Even though he's a little bit older, Charlie Morton was on a raised staff that was very elite. And, you know, he was, he was the odd man out, kind of, when it came down to it in the playoffs. And he was struggling a little bit last year. Higher ERA, lower velocity. But I expect Charlie Morton to really thrive in this rotation. I think that he's set up to have an incredible 2021 under Brian Snicker and coach Kevin Kranitz. Yeah, another guy I want to talk about is Ian Anderson. Because he, during that playoff run last year, was unbelievable. I mean, immediately as he joined this Braves lineup... He was striking guys out. I mean, I, th I don't think anyone expected him to be this good. But it's going to be interesting to see how he can do it throughout the span of an 150, 160-game season um, because he is a young guy. You know, he how many, how many times did he pitch last year in the playoffs? I believe three or four. Um, so let's just see if he's that durable to do it throughout the entirety of the year because that's going to be very pivotal in this starting rotation. Other than that, love the starting rotation. Love Reed on the mound today. Um, I think he's going to have an awesome year. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all i got to say about that, if you guys don't have anything to add. I do think that it's worth adding that, you know, we do have a couple of guys that you could see joining the rotation. So don't hit the freak out button yet if some of these guys start off early on this year struggling. You know, you do have uh, Oscar Yunoa. You have Bryce Wilson. You have even a guy like A.J. Minter who had a scratch start in the playoffs. There are a lot of people that you need to keep in mind that could end up joining this rotation. Yeah, Newcomb, things, well, Newcomb as well. And Chris Domino called out Newcomb, and I think, you know, as a fan of Sean Newcomb, he's one guy that I really want to look at and just say, get it together. And, you know, let's, let's, let's play baseball because he has everything he needs in order to succeed. He's got the speed. He's a, I mean, he's a left-handed pitcher. He's, he's special. And his command on the, on the mound is the only place that he struggles. So if he can figure that out, he's going to be a very, very key piece in the bullpen. And if not in the bullpen and we need him in the starting rotation, he could always make that move back if need be. Well, let's talk about one more guy before I move on to the bullpen, uh, Kyle Wright. So Kyle Wright broke our hearts last year in the, uh, in the playoffs, giving up runs, you know, None of the Braves fans are really thrilled about this guy, but some seem to think that he could be at the five spot by year's end. Do you agree or disagree? 
I don't even want to answer this question, as Mark Melanson said when Dave O'Brien asked him one of the dumbest questions ever after the Braves lo- or after the Braves beat the Dodgers in Game Four of the NLCS. But I will answer it, and Kyle Wright will probably never be in the Braves rotation, uh, aside from some scr- some scratch starts. If I was Alex Anthopoulos, I'm looking to make a package deal at the deadline, throw him in it, and maybe someone else, and try to go get maybe a bullpen pitcher. I know that's not the the best take in Braves country because, you know, we're not the team that trades away our prospects, but I I don't believe in Kyle Wright, and I never will. I did not like him in the playoffs, and I didn't like him before that. His command is unfixable to me, and frankly, I think that he probably needs to consider going elsewhere. Well, we'll see. You know, that five spot's going to be interesting to watch. Give it to Bryce Wilson. We'll see, man. Give it to Bryce Wilson. I'll I'll move on to the bullpen. So Bryce Wilson, uh, we talked a little bit about him with Chris Domino as well as A.J. Mentor, who were heroes last year in the playoffs. Why is this bullpen going to be as elite as it was last year, or why not? So I am apprehensive to say that it will be as elite as last year. When you lose a guy like Mark Melanson, who not only was, you know, kind of the heart and soul of your bullpen, he was one of the best relievers in baseball last year. And then you had a, you had a guy like, uh, you know, Shane Green, and you also had a guy in Darren O'Day, and they're not here anymore, you know, and they were really good pitchers for you last year. So I don't know if I can say the bullpen is going to be as elite. I'm going to have to sit back and evaluate it and watch it. You talk to me next show after a couple of games, and I get a feel for the bullpen a little bit. I'll give you a better answer, but right now I can't say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this bullpen. You know, I don't think anybody expected it to be as good as it was last year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that projects into this year, especially with us losing um, some guys like O'Day, um, Melanson, you know, any any kind of that. So we'll see if we have a one-run lead. I think the biggest question, though, in this bullpen is who's going to be the closer. Um, that's a big question mark. I don't think it's going to be an everyday guy. I don't think we're going to have any kind of – Craig Campbell guy who comes in every time we're up by a couple runs in the ninth inning. I think it's going to be kind of a by, by committee um, position or role for the closer. But that's one of my only concerns on this team as of right now. Um, I think you might agree, Blake. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, but I want to kind of make a bold prediction. I, a little bit of a hot take here, but I think that A.J. Minter will walk away as the full-time closer by the all-star break. I think that A.J. Minter will be the everyday closer of this baseball team. I think no one's talking about him for that role. He throws absolute gas. He's got a bunch of variety of pitches that he can throw, some great off-speed stuff as well. I love A.J. Minter. I know Brian Snicker loves A.J. Minter, and I know that for certain because A.J. Minter probably played his way off this team multiple times over the last few years, and Snicker's always rolled with him. He's always given him those chances, and he stuck with him, and it paid off for Snicker and Minter last year. I think the momentum rolls on, and I think this guy could be a serious, serious, serious force to be reckoned with in the Braves' bullpen. I agree with you. It's definitely something to keep our eye on uh, as the season progresses. But right before we move on to the predictions of the division and and other at-large pennants to win, Let's talk about the uh, MVP candidates on this team. So we talked about the lineup. On paper, if we can stay healthy, this offense is going to be scary good, just like it was last year. But the the Braves do have two guys that are in the top ten for MVP odds in the NL, in Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman. Um, 
Ronald Acuna, like Domino said, he's underpaid right now compared to guys like Tatis, um, and he might want that money. But like you said, he still has that demeanor of, you know, I want to prove that I'm the best baseball player and I don't need money to do it. Um, so why do you think Acuna has a legitimate shot at taking home the MVP this year? I mean, just the way he played last year, kind of before the injuries, I mean, he's absolutely electric. His bat is insane and his defense as well. I mean, this guy is slowly emerging as one of the best stars. He wants 40-40, right? And Domino said it, and if he can do that, I said it two years ago, right? He was kind of getting close to that 40-40 mark, and people were talking about, oh, is he going to be MVP, or is he not going to be MVP if he doesn't hit 40-40? Listen, if you hit 40-40, you're MVP of baseball, and no one can take that away from you unless you have a similar season to something like Freddie Freeman had last year. I, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is due for a massive, massive season. Uh, the, the, the bat is there. The defense is there. And I feel like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as well because I think Domino made a great point talking about those contracts. He saw Tatis get paid. He saw uh, Francisco Lindor get significantly overpaid by the Mets. He saw these guys getting big money, right? And you remember the stuff with Trevor Bauer. You know, Acuna, Acuna's, a, Acuna's a, 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 banter, a banter type guy, too. He likes to go back and forth with people and compete. So I think that Acuna is going to have a big prove-it year. Not that he hasn't proved it already, but I think this year Acuna is going to end up becoming the by far above and beyond the best Brave on the roster. Well, you can take him eight to one currently to win the NL MVP, but I'm looking at these odds and the amount of great players on this board are unbelievable. It's going to be a narrow, narrow race as we uh, go into the season. Uh, but Acuna at eight to one, Freddie at twelve to one, uh, definitely some value there, especially if you're a Braves fan. Um, but you know, with Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, uh, Tatis, and Cody Bellinger, you know that that's a risk you're gonna gonna be willing to have to take. Um, but we'll move on to our predictions. So we'll start with the division. So the Braves are going to play the Phillies this afternoon as they open play, and then they'll play the Nationals next week. And then by the time we come around to our next show, they will play the Phillies as their home opener. Um, this division is going to be very, very competitive this year. I know we say it every year. I know the odds makers say it every year. It's going to be competitive, but the past three years, the Braves just haven't really had any issues. But the media is giving a lot of love to the Mets. Why? Because they're healthy for one. The Mets haven't really been healthy an entire season in a while. That's why their preseason hype generally tanks. And secondly, they added some guys. Uh, we talked about Lindor with, with uh, Domino, uh, amongst, another, um, amongst other guys. Um, but Blake, I'll start with you. First of all, besides the Mets, who is the next serious threat in this division? Well, the Mets aren't the most serious threat in the division. Uh, I think I, I lo love the insight from Domino, but the one thing that he did say that I don't completely agree with is that the Mets are for real. Um, you know, completely opinion based, but I'll be I'll be completely frank with it. I do not see them staying healthy. They never do. It's the New York Mets. I, I expect the same exact thing to happen to the Mets that happens every single year. Jacob Degrom is going to pitch lights out the whole season. He's going to be the only healthy pitcher left on the roster by the end of the year. And what's going to happen? He's going to get no run support because the bats don't work 
in New York. I don't understand why, but they don't. And I, I was a little bit high on the Mets a few years ago, and I'm not worried about them at all. The, the second best team to me in this division, and I'm scared saying this a little bit, is the Washington Nationals. I think that the Washington Nationals, who won the World Series and shocked the world, not this last year, but the one prior in 2019, if, if Max Scherzer can get back on track, that team is legitimate again. Immediately, immediately, immediately legitimate. And also, the, the best value, if you're looking from a betting perspective, how are the Marlins plus 1,800? How are they plus 1,800? They, they improved this offseason. They went and picked up a bat like Adam Duvall to add to their outfield to come and let hit cleanup. You got a guy like Sixto Sanchez and Pablo Lopez and Alcantara in your, in your rotation. The bullpen has improved. You got a good coach in Don Mattingly. Plus 1,800, I mean, that seems like a bargain, honestly, and that's coming from a Braves fan. So I don't, I don't see the Mets or the Phillies being super relevant, but I do think that the Nationals and the Marlins are going to be very, very in play. I agree with you. I mean, the earliest we'll see a guy like Sixto Sanchez should be April 14th because uh, he's going to start in the minors. But, I mean, the Marlins showed us last year that, you know, they shouldn't exactly be taken very lightly. Um, and then I'll talk about the other team in the division, the Phillies. They have a really good punch when it comes to Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler. Unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like much after that. And then their bullpen is an absolute liability. Uh, their bat should be all right. And it'll be very interesting to see if Bryce Harper can uh, surpass some of his over-unders. I know they said his home run over-under at 36 and a half. That definitely seems like a hefty, Jeez. a very hefty yeah. amount. Yeah, I don't know. They had and said it 37 and a half? 36 and a half. Holy is his, uh, It feels like an under. Yeah, that's an under bet right there waiting to happen. Uh, Spaith, Spaith, when we had him on, talked about how Bryce Harper is a curse wherever he goes. Yeah. It's like he leaves Washington and they, they win, win a World Series. He goes to Philadelphia and they can't win anything. And the Braves have won three straight division crowns. So maybe Bryce Harper is a curse, but that under bet looks good. Coming full circle with the Mets, I mean, I agree that they should not be crowned anything until, you know, they act, like they actually do it. They have this big offseason, a lot of headlines, a lot of media. They absolutely should not be crowned anything until they go and do it. So I'd roll still with the Braves with you guys on opening day to win that division. Thank you. Yeah, the Braves are plus 130 right now. And are, uh, to me, they are by far the best team in this division on paper. Now, that is going to be determined by if this team can stay healthy. You know, we didn't really touch on it, but the bench for this team is not very deep. We lost guys on the bench. Um, so if we lose guys, if we lose big hitters to injuries, even if it's on the 60-day IL, like Acuna, Ozzy, uh, it, it could be concerning. I think the Mets and Braves race is strictly, like you said, going to come down to who can stay more healthy. I do agree with that, and it always does with baseball. You know, these injuries happen, and, you know, it's a long season. So you got to remember that with it being a long season – you know, these guys are going to get banged up every once in a while. It's hard for your body to stand, you know, that much damage and destruction throughout the year. So if the Braves stay healthy, I do not see them not winning this division. And I know that that is a homer pick, but it just makes way too much sense for me. Well, let's move on to uh, the league as a whole. So the... How many games we got this year? 150 or 160? It's right. I just think it's right around the 160 mark. Okay. I still so think it's we're right. We're almost around back here. to a full season, um, and as we talked about with Domino, Truist Park is going to be slowly evolving to getting back to full attendance at some point. So I believe in May we're going to start with. Did you say 50 percent? 
50% the Braves just announced, which is awesome, man. 50% attendance at Truist Park for the second homestand. Can't wait to be back there celebrating and shopping with the Braves country. Of course, I know everyone is eager to get back to Truist Park. Uh, we love our Braves, and I think this could be a good big year for us. But let's talk about that one team that's on the horizon that we know we're probably going to run into. No, the no. LA Dodgers. Oh. Okay. So the LA Dodgers are playing in a pretty weak division, although... As Domino mentioned, the San Diego Padres have really bolstered up their roster. And they could give the Dodgers a run for their money. However, you know, it's the Dodgers. Like we said earlier, they added Trevor Bauer to this already elite rotation, already elite lineup. So I think we're kind of rolling with the same approach Domino did last year. You know, they're going to win over 100 games. They're yeah. going to do what they do. But when they get in the playoffs... They're vulnerable. I mean, we saw it last year. We were up three one on those guys. If you if you win one more game, you just you just gotta catch this team at a bad time. That's that's the key to this. But they're gonna win over a hundred games. They're gonna be awesome. But can the do you think the Padres can really give this team a run for the division? Similar to the Mets, like I was saying earlier, I just think that, you know, un until you do something, don't talk about it, right? And the, these these teams are just we're hearing all this 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 noise right about how they're going to end up being super great teams this season, and I can't I can't ride the train. What why why would I ride the train with the Padres or the Mets right now in in the NL West or the NL Central I guess what is it what division West, is that? West. It's the West okay excuse me so the NL West and then the Braves and the NL East right the Dodgers have ran away with it the last how many years now. And then the Braves, same thing in the NL East. And we keep talking about these new teams coming up and challenging, right? I just don't see it. I think that the Padres, as Domino said, they're going to be fun, right? You got, Man you got Manny Machado. You got Fernando Tatis. You got Blake Snell. You got you Darvish. And, you know, you got a really cool ballpark. And you got good fans. So it is going to be fun. I'm excited to see what happens. But I don't see anyone messing with the Dodgers in the regular season. I do think that they went over 100 games, and I do think that, you know, those guys are all playing up to par. I've mentioned before, are the egos going to get in the way? Are the attitudes going to become a problem? And that's what me as a Braves fan is going to kind of have to hope for. Um, I'm trying to speak it into existence a little bit. Maybe Trevor Bauer and Clayton Kershaw throw hands or something. Something will, uh, <laughs> something will come about from that, but... I just I, I don't know. I can't I can't bet against the Dodgers right now. I think that they're too good on paper for me to hate on and you know, I'm just banking on them screwing up and having some sort of issue in the clubhouse. That's it. Well, in this NL West division, I mean, you got the Dodgers, you got the Padres, and then you got three just terrible teams. I mean, the Dodgers and and Padres are going to beat the absolute breaks off the Giants, Rockies and Diamondbacks this year. So it is going to be those two teams at the top. We do see the Dodgers advance, or winning their respective division. However, um, this division's so weak. I mean, Dodgers, Padres, then you got the Rockies who just lost Arenado, not much pitching. D-backs, Giants, haven't been good for a while. Um, should be the Dodgers coming out of that division. They will probably have the highest seed um, going into postseason play. But, you know, that's all out of our control as Braves fans. We got to do what we do. We got to win games and put priority on winning that NL East uh, I, I, title. I want to say something too, man. We're not worried about the Dodgers. Like I, I, I as a Braves fan, I want to get that out there. We're, we're not scared of that team anymore. Like I feel like 
on paper, everyone's like, the Dodgers are untouchable, right, in the postseason. And it's not true. We had them right where we wanted them. And if we get back there, we're not going to screw it up. We just have to focus on ourselves, and we have to win the games that we're supposed to, and we have to win games against good teams and do what we're supposed to, and we'll be right back where we were last year. Right, and I think Snitker is the perfect guy to have that vision. I think he's going to put absolute priority on winning the division for a fourth straight year. Um, and like you said, we all believe it's going to happen. Um, but let's talk about the AL for just a minute because we haven't even talked about them yet. So the AL's got a number of teams this year. Yankees, um, Astros are up there. Even the Athletics can walk away with the AL pennant. But who do you like the most in the AL? I'm going to go with the crazy pick here. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Rays to repeat as ALCS champions and be back in the World Series. I love Kevin Cash. I know this is not a hot pick right now. People are probably going to hate on it. But the reason I like that is because the Rays are one of those teams that they never paid these guys. Like all When they had that World Series team a few years ago when Joe Madden was the manager – and you had Longoria and Crawford, and you had all these guys, right? They all left. They all went to other teams. The Tampa Bay Rays don't repay their superstars. They don't feel like – they're like Liberty Media a little bit here in Atlanta. They don't see the need to give a guy, a baseball player, a massive contract. They don't feel the need. They think that they can replace these guys and find superstars through their farm system. So I like the Rays. I think that the AL East is going to be the best division in baseball – um, I think that the Blue Jays are improved. I think give some love to the Blue Jays this year. Red Sox with Alex Cora back at, back at manager, look out for them. The Orioles are still going to be absolutely horrible. But other than them, the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, it's going to be a really tight race. Uh, Chris will be disappointed, but I'm not super all in on the Yankees right now. And then the one team that I'm going to pay very close attention to this year all the way through the season is – uh, Tony LaRusso and the Chicago White Sox. I think that could be a sleeper as well. But uh, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled on the AL because I think that this year for the first time, it really is wide open. Um, last year it seemed like everyone felt like the Rays would end up making it to the World Series. And, you know, they were the favorite for a reason. So I'm going to keep my eyes on it. And uh, like I said, you know, I think Rays and White Sox would probably be the two teams to keep your eyes on. Yeah, you know, the AL, uh, like you just said, it's, it's narrow for the teams that are coming out. You look at the odds boards, you got basically odds ranging from 3-1 to one to 10-1 to one, um, for, what, eight teams? So that's, that's just crazy. But a team that I like that I just mentioned is the A's because they've really bolstered up their bullpen, their starting rotation. Um, their lineup's decently good. I just got to believe that if they're going to put this much into their lineup, into their starting rotation, it's got to, results have got to happen, you know? Uh, yeah, you got to see something. You got to think their window is going to be right now if they're really, uh, if they're really being honest with themselves. So tough division, tough division to come out over the Astros, but I will be keeping a close eye on the A's as the year goes on. Would you, are you willing to pick the A's over the Astros? Is that, is that what you're, you mean? Um, 
I don't know, man. It's you don't know about that? It's okay. razor thin, but I'm very excited to watch that, well, that division. Well, that I mean, they play. They play they each play other. this afternoon. So we're going to get a good good taste, you know, of what we could see. Maybe come October, they could face off each other. I know that they play in the same division, but that, that division, I, I didn't even mention, but that division is going to be very, very competitive as well. Um, again, the Astros and the Athletics are the two teams I'm going to keep my eye on as well. Uh, can the Astros come back? They made the playoffs last year after all that crazy stuff happened with the banging on the trash cans and the cheating scandal. So if they can make the playoffs with all that noise going on last year and now everyone's being a little bit quiet about it, I, I, I did just remember, though, the fans will be involved this year. Uh-oh. Yes. I that that might be the A's future right there, boys. Yeah. I don't know about that. So with the fans being involved, that does make things more interesting for the Astros because they didn't really get to hear the hate last season you know they didn't make it far enough into the playoffs to where fans were interacting and being able to come to the games and stuff like that so I'm interested to see that and I don't know if they come to Atlanta or not this year but it would be very fun to try to go and see an Astros game at some point this season I agree I think everyone's excited to uh troll these guys you know they didn't get any kind of treatment last year I forgot about that yeah just nothing no repercussions from their cheating scandal so so. kicked under the rug just Literally just brushed under they're, the rug. They're getting off easy in all categories, but not this year, Houston. You are going to get it from every single ballpark that you go to. Um, but before we close out the show, World Series prediction, who are you rolling with? You really going to ask me? I'm going to ask you who your World Series prediction is with the Braves and without the Braves. Fair enough. So Atlanta Braves will win the 2021 World Series. Uh, the reason that they will win is because they have absolute grit. They have absolute determination. They have a chip on their shoulder. And frankly, I think they're a little pissed off. Um, I, I think that they're disappointed that they fit into that, that, uh, that narrative of Atlanta being a cursed city. Uh, I, I'm tired of hearing it. As a, as a Falcons fan, as a Braves fan, a Dogs fan, I'm tired of hearing it. You know, so I'm ready. I'm ready to get this narrative out of the way, and I think that this is the team to do it. Brian Snicker has been with the organization for 48 years. He's not going anywhere. They just got him back here to stay. If it's not this year, it will be within the next two or three. But I'm gonna go with 2021 World Series champions, the Atlanta Braves, and I'm gonna take them over the Tampa Bay Rays, which would have been the World Series last year had we held up. So hopefully, we can rewrite the storybooks. That's who I'm going with. I don't even want to give another pick because I really do that. I, I believe that's a World Series right there. Um, I don't want to force a pick without the Braves. I think that the Braves are getting back there. And the only team that's going to compete with the Dodgers this year is our team. It's our team in Atlanta. So let's do it. Let's do it for the city. And uh, I'm ready to start shopping. Yeah. Um, I like that prediction. I like the Braves to win the NL as well. I mean, look, if the Braves aren't going to win the pennant, next year or the year after, when are we going to do it? That's kind of what we're kind of getting at at this point. Um, We have the lineup. We have the starting rotation. We even bolstered it last year. People thought that this team was even better last year, but what do we do? We added Charlie Morton just in case someone in that starting rotation goes down like they did last year in Soroka. Anthopolis has done a wonderful job. It's going to be proven with results this year and Ws, so I'm going to take the Braves as well. However, in the AL... You know, like Tamino said, Yankees haven't done it yet. I mean, they haven't done it in 12 years, so I'm not going to roll with them, but a team that I do like in the AL, 
um, is the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Chicago has taken a massive leap in the past years with um, their lineup. You know, they got Giolito, one of the best in the game. Um, they have a decently good rotation other than that. So I think they could really make a run at the Yankees, and I, I think they could take home the AL pennant. So I'm going to take White Sox and Braves in my World Series matchup. That'd be a cool World Series, too. Um, two teams that have kind of been a little bit on the letdown the last few years. They've been right there on the cusp. I know the White Sox last year got a lot of buzz going into the playoffs, but the White Sox actually take on the LA Angels today. Our boy Brandon Marsh, he, uh, he's not actually up with the team right now, but we'll keep our listeners uh, updated whenever he does get the call up, and I'm sure we'll have him back on whenever that happens. But until then, let's go ahead and just shift gears here back to the Atlanta Braves. We have a very special guest about to call on for a brand new segment that we will tell you more about. Here he is, Justin Spaeth. I'm up in the balcony in France. I look around, I see the fans. How they surround me in the stands. Probably could drown in a sea of hands. They're hollering Welcome into a new segment here at Division 2 that we will now call 23 questions in 23 minutes or less with our resident Atlanta Braves expert, Justin Spaeth. Justin, welcome on to Division 2 Sports, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. So the way this is going to work is we're going to have 23 questions for Spaeth here. All these questions are regarding the 2021 MLB season. He will have 60 seconds to answer each question, and if he goes over, we're going to move on to the next question. Spade, are you ready to go, brother? Absolutely, I'm ready. Let's All go. right, question number one. The Atlanta Braves have a competition at closer. Who do you see being the closer come opening day and why? Well, because I feel like it's going to be Will Smith because that was, that was the plan, but we had Melanson last year, so now that we don't have Melanson, I feel like it's meant for him. He fits the role, he fits the spot, possibly Chris Martin, but I'm, I'm definitely sticking with uh, Will Smith as my gut choice. Justin, the New York Mets are now even betting favorites with the Atlanta Braves to win the NL East this season. Are you buying or selling stock in the Mets? I am selling the stock in the Mets. The Mets always struggle towards the end. There's always injuries. Um, I'm not really sure how Francisco Lindor will fit in the system. There's a bunch of question marks. The only thing that's not in question is their starting pitching, but their offense needs to help match their starting pitching if they want to make it anywhere. So we'll just have to see. So this year, the Braves are relying heavily on two youngsters and Austin Riley and Christian Pache. Who has the better season and why? Well, I'm going to go with Austin Riley because he has more MLB experience and he's better offensively so far from what we've seen. Defensively, it would be Pache, but offensively and overall, I think I'd have to go Austin Riley. Justin, Freddie Freeman won the 2020 NL MVP, as you know. So aside from Freddie, who do you see competing for this award in 2021 on our roster? I would have to go... Probably Max Fried. I feel like Max Fried's got the most potential for that award. Maybe Marcelo Zuna, but I think I would go Max Fried. He showed a lot of promise last year, and I feel like he's just going to build from that. The Braves are looking at a regular rotation of Max Fried, Mike Soroka, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson, and who to be the fifth, Justin? Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley is going to be the fifth starter. 
Justin, we've lost a few bench players and in reserves. Which bench player this season makes the biggest impact? Ehir Adrianza. And why do you think that is? What's your intel there? Because my intel on that one is the fact that he hits he hits great from both sides of the plate. He's very consistent defensively. Um, I don't really see anybody else on on the bench that could quite match him hitting wise. Um, so I just feel like he's got the best chance to grow from the bench. Justin, does Drew Waters make the active roster by the end of the 2021 season? I do not believe so. No, it, it, that that all depends on if we keep Ender through the season. If we keep Ender through the season, no. If Ender leaves, possibly. Justin, the Phillies have been a major letdown over the, the past few seasons. Do they get back on track this year? I do not believe so because I believe that uh, Bryce Harper is um, hes a curse. He's a curse to the team. They were doing great before he got there, and when he got there, they have steadily gone downhill every year since. So, no, I do not believe so. Justin, Vegas has the Braves over under for regular season wins set at 91 and a half. Are you riding with the over or the under? I'm going to go over on that one. I say 93. 93. Very specific, Justin. So let me let me shift gears here to our bench. So for the casual fans who may not know, we don't have much depth on our bench this year. Are you scared that our bench had a combined two home runs in 2020? And what do you expect for the bench? I expect I don't expect a lot of home runs. I do expect consistent defense. I do expect consistent hitting from at least E Hire and Pablo because Pablo and E Hire have done amazing things so far throughout spring training. Pablo needs a little bit of help defensively with his errors, but hitting wise he's hitting over 400. E Hire can play any position on the infield. So I feel like during the season, that's really going to help out and give some players much-needed rest when they need it. Um, I feel like I feel like Austin Jackson or Alex Jackson is going to have a pretty consistent time behind the plate. I think it's not going to be split 50-50, but I think uh, I think it's just going to be a great bench overall. Like there's no bad part about it. There's nothing that really concerns me too much unless we're talking about home runs. If it's home runs, then probably not. We probably won't hit that many off the bench. Justin, who is your sleeper team in the National League? In the National League, my sleeper team would probably be the Marlins. I'll have to go to the Marlins. The Marlins have a really good offensive stack team. But the only question mark is their bullpen and their starting rotation past the first two. The first two starters are pretty consistent, but anything after that is uh, hit or miss. But if they can ma- if they can have their pitching match their offensive power, they uh, they have a chance to make it to the playoffs. Justin, I'll go to the other side. Who is your sleeper team in the AL? Ooh, in the AL. I'm going to have to go the Angels. I I don't know why. Something just tells me I feel like the Angels, they've been through enough. They've been through the ringer enough, and I feel like their 
offensive overloads going to start coming through, and I feel like that their pitching is going to match that, hopefully, I feel, for them. Because I've always felt for them, and I've always felt for Mike Trout, having to be the only player to be so consistent on one team for so long and get nothing to show for it. Right. Shout out to our guy Brandon Marsh on the Angels, of course, who probably will end up on their roster by the end of the season. So let's shift gears to a guy who may not be on the Braves active roster by the end of the season. Is it game ender for Ender Inciarte in Atlanta by the end of the season, Justin? I believe so. I do not. And unless he has a consistent showing the first half of the season, I believe, I believe the only reason he is here now is his defensive glove alone being a three-time gold glover. But I believe that if he can't, if he can't match his hitting with his defense, that we'll have to let him go and have to probably bring up Waters, like I said before. If we let him go, Waters is going to come up. If we don't, um, Waters is going to stay down. So I, I feel like he's gone. I feel like we've, we've led him on this team for so long, and uh, we can only keep him on there for his, glove, his gold glove defense. But now that Christian Pache is up, um, we're not going to need him as much longer anymore. So I feel like we need to get rid of him now and get the most we can out of him while we still can. Justin, my favorite ball club, the New York Yankees, made a couple moves this offseason. Their over-under for wins is set at 95.5. Are you taking the over or under on that? I will have to take the over on that one. I feel like they – the sky's the limit for the Yankees. I feel like they could go 97. They could go 99. They, could, they probably could go over 100 wins. Justin, are you surprised that manager Snitker did not bring back catcher Tyler Flowers? I am not surprised at all. I was not a fan of Tyler Flowers. There wasn't really anything he did for me that was amazing or off anything off the wall. Uh, I feel like it was time to start bringing up the catchers that we have in our system, our young catchers who have promise. Um, so, no, I was not surprised at all. Justin, our starting rotation is absolutely stacked this season. Aside from Max Freed, who you gave some love earlier, which brave starting pitcher has the best season and why? Um, let's go. I'm going to go with Ian Anderson. I feel like he's – I feel like it's his time to shine. He did great in the playoffs last year, um, Towards in, except towards the end, but that's okay. And uh, – I feel like it's his time. It's his time to put up or shut up. It's his time to just be the consistent person and the consistent player that he can be. He can throw strikes. He's not really given up the home run ball very often, which is good for a young pitcher. He's very stingy, and I feel like it's going to be tough for many people in our division and much less any other division, to get hits off of him on a consistent basis. So I feel like it's it's his time to shine. Justin, can you give me uh, your Cy Young predictions for each, the AL and the NL? Okay, the AL Cy Young, I'll have to go Shane Bieber, the NL Cy Young, Jacob DeGrom. Who are you taking as the AL MVP? Mike Trout. I feel like every year it's a safe bet to go Mike Trout for the AL MVP. 
Justin, the Washington Nationals were the World Series champions in 2020. Can the Nationals return to the playoffs in 2021? Can the Nationals return? I believe so. They have. They still have a very good pitching staff. Their um, their offense is just as great as it was last year, if not better. Some additions, some subtractions, but also some additions. So I would say they have a great chance to make the playoffs this year. Justin, who do you think the best living Brave of all time is? The best living Brave of all time. This is a really tough question for me. It would have to go between Dale Murphy and Chipper Jones. Fair enough. Uh, Justin, the Braves extended Marcelo Zuna. Did they overpay for him? I don't think so. I think I think we have a great GM with a great mind on his shoulders. We, he has signed he has signed uh, Acuna, he has signed Ozzy, and now he's signed Ozuna to great deals that are not going to ruin the Braves in the coming seasons. I feel like we have more of a chance to add more players because of the way he's been able to construct his contracts. Justin, we mentioned it earlier, but the Braves only are going to have a combined two home runs on their bench this season. Last year, Adam Duvall was third in the National League with 16 home runs. Did the Braves make a mistake by not retaining Adam Duvall or Charlie Culberson? Duvall, yes. Duvall, I, I think, is a huge mistake to not re-sign him. Culberson, uh, it's a hit or miss for me. I don't think so. I think we're okay without Culberson. But if we could have retained Duvall, that would have been great. But I don't know if we would have been able to retain Duvall and retain Ozuna. So if it was the lesser of two evils where I had to retain one or the other, I would definitely retain Ozuna over Duvall. But it is going to be tough to fill those shoes that he had last season. All right, Justin, final question. Is it World Series or bust for the Atlanta Braves this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's World Series or bust. I feel like it's our time. I feel like we have the best team that we have had in a long time. We've had the best team. We have the best team now. We have a win team. We have a win now team that we didn't have since the world, since the last World Series in 95. So I feel like this year is going to be our year. And I feel like I know I, I've said that quite often but I feel like this year is guaranteed our year. All right, Spaith, you did it, man. You beat the clock there in under 23 minutes, a record time. Roughly 12 minutes is all it took to get through. Very, very, very great stuff, man. We always appreciate your insight as our resident expert. We plan to talk a very good amount with you this season. We're very excited for opening day on Thursday. Let's get your prediction for the game real quick. What do you see happening on Thursday in Philadelphia? Aaron Nola for the Phillies and Max Fried for the Braves. I feel like Max Fried's going to strike out at least six. He's going to go six innings. I feel either Ozuna or Freddie Freeman's going to hit a home run. I feel uh, is going to steal a base, maybe two. And I feel he's also going to rob a home run. Some very bold the, predictions there, the Spade. Score, the score is going to be 5-2, to two, Braves. If Ronald Acuna Jr. robs a home run, I promise you right now, Spaith, I will be calling you immediately after. Spaith, how will you plan on watching the game on Thursday? 
I will be sitting at home, popping open a cold one, and having a, having some popcorn, uh, maybe some wings, you know, just typical stuff. Well, Spade, that was some great stuff, man. We appreciate your insight. Uh, you know, I will tell you right now, your your knowledge is next to none when it comes to Braves fans and Braves country. Look forward to talking some baseball with you this season and hopefully catching a game or two at Truist Park. Absolutely. Wouldn't miss it for the world. We'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to our 2021 Braves preview show. Please join us next Thursday as we will continue our coverage with Braves TV analyst and former player Jeff Francoeur. Thank you for listening to Division II Sports. For all Division II Sports news, follow us on social media at Division underscore two sports. You can go your own.